All right, we are here with Al Hole, Coach Al Hole, Coach Hole. Um, been in a lot of different roles. It's kind of hard to uh, to pigeonhole you in just one. You've been in a lot of roles in wrestling. I was telling Jesse, I consider you kind of like one of the uh, the silent assassins of Missouri wrestling because you've you've done so many different things and. Your name always gets brought up, Coach Hole, just so you know. If you're talking to someone, that your name always <laughs> well, gets Hopefully it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're, just, you're just a contributor. You always get brought yeah. up in, in different situations and stuff. So uh, we're just going to start off with just asking, you know, tell everyone what you're doing now, what your role is now. Uh, so starting in June, I'm going to be the activities director at Blue Springs High School. Um. I've been lucky enough to work with some some really good guys along the way, and my my career took some some uh, weird turns and stuff. But I tried really really hard about five or six years ago to get back to Blue Springs because I really really believe that people are treated well here. Um, you get what you need in order to be successful. Sports are important, um, and uh, I got I got lucky enough to land a job, so uh, I'm pretty happy about that. It's always good to have mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> always good to have a wrestling guy in a role of athletics directors, by the way. So uh I Jesse, take care of Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse has a little more history with you, so uh and a little more knowledge of some of your past. So he's gonna ask you some questions about that. Yeah, so I just kinda wanted to backtrack with you and um just kind of go back to like taking us through how you got started in wrestling and then just telling everybody uh, like what that Iowa high school wrestling scene was like and telling us about some of those duels that you've told me about before and stuff like that. Um, so honestly, my high school wrestling coach plucked me out of the hallway. Um, and he was the best man at my wedding. Um, I still stay close with him. Uh, he filled a gap that um, I really needed uh, with somebody. My family didn't have a whole bunch of money. My dad wasn't around. And so he, he served in a lot of ways as a surrogate father for me um, and still does, keeps in touch with me all the time. Um, our, our, I, some of the stories that you've heard is um, I remember my senior year, we were ranked high, City High, our crosstown rival was ranked high. And I think our gym capacity was like 2,500 or something like that. It was standing room only. There were radio stations broadcasting, and those kind of things happened all the time um, back then. Now, I don't know if it was so much a factor of not having the technology to show some stuff, but there was energy in the room all the time at wrestling dual meets. You know, back in the late 70s, early 80s in Iowa, and I, I think a lot of that has to be attributed to what Colonel Meyer – Meyer and Gable were starting to get all of that energy behind, you know, Iowa wrestling and some of the promotion stuff that Meyer had started doing, you know, like the world's biggest mat and actually having girls come out and dancing at wrestling meets and stuff. And, and he was really a PT Barnum type of guy that was bringing people in. And um, I feel like a lot of that bled over into um, Iowa high school wrestling at the time. And so, um, you, can you, can you tell that story about how duels used to go for you that your coach wouldn't even like let you guys come out? Oh yeah. Watch. So 
Yeah, he'd hold us back there. He'd keep us in the locker room sometimes. And one guy'd come out and wrestle and go back, and the other guy'd come out and wrestle and go back. And um, just just kind of cool ways of of looking at stuff. Um, and I think um, I think a lot of it had to do with some of us got nervous before we went out there, and um, they didn't want you caught up in in the whole thing. And I mean, and honestly, um, especially as a heavyweight wrestler, you go out there and you warm up for you know, 15 minutes under the lights in front of the crowd and stuff. And then you sit there right. for, <laughs> for two hours. And, you know, if, if we were all very honest, how much warming up did you actually do before a match in high school? You jump around a little bit and go right. shake coach's hand and giddy up and get out there. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of it had to do with that. So then, uh, so you finish high school and then you, uh, you end up going to Iowa to wrestle. So how did, how did that come about? Uh, how did you make that decision? Um, I had a I had a bunch of guys on my high school wrestling team. Um, one of them's father was instrumental in doing uh, the creation of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club at the time, and then we had a we had a really highly recruited guy um, that went there. Um, and you know, growing up in Iowa City, you wanted to end up anyway there. So um, I kind of weaseled my way onto the team and. Uh, had some conversations with Coach Gable, and there was a guy at the time, his name was John O'Marks, that was kind of the recruiting coordinator there at Iowa. Um, I developed a good relationship with Mark Johnson, who was an assistant coach who had initially come to train at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club, and then, of course, Jay Robinson was there at the time. So just kind of being around and, and uh, developing a relationship with those guys. Uh, I ended up with a locker and a pair of cool shoes like the other guys had and took some ass kickings. <clears throat> so uh, you're there really during like what's maybe considered peak for them. Right. And um, so we've all, we've always talked about the fact that there's this perception of Iowa and how, how it is there. Um, but we've talked about the fact that that perception is not really correct uh, and that it wasn't just like go a thousand miles an hour every day and run through a brick wall every day. And, um, you know, you, you've explained to me that the coaches really got how to work everybody. So could you just yeah, kind of like they were, I mean, light on that? Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned those three guys, um, Gable and Jay and, and Mark Johnson and, um, you know, th- there's a couple of different things that I think people miss on the Iowa style or whatever it is. Um, Gable's presence was more motivating and a look from Gable was more motivating than <clears throat> he wasn't a rah, rah, scream and yell type of guy. You know, at, at least my perception was it was just a quiet intensity and a focus and a level of expectation. Um, and then you had uh, Jay Robinson, who um, was really kind of the cutting edge technical guy that was involved in things. And then you had a guy like Mark Johnson, who who worked with John Marks. Um, I mean, Mark Johnson looked like Clark Kent, man. Big, big old good looking guy. So he was, uh, he was doing a lot of the face-to-face things with people. And, you know, you got to remember Gable was still learning his craft at the time. Um, and uh, 
so you had all three of those guys and those personalities together, and they just really worked well at going, what does Lou Bannock need? What does Tim Riley need? What does that guy need? And providing those things for those guys on an individual basis. So sometimes I think people, you know, that the easy thing to do is look at it and go, well, they just outworked everybody. We'll just, I'll just push my guys and I'll outwork everybody. I don't think that was a secret. I think the secret was Gable's ability to motivate you. Um, and then the, the, the teamwork that those guys had as coaches was pretty special at that time. They all had, uh, me and Jesse have talked before about mm-hmm. how good coaching staffs kind of have roles and own those roles. And it sounds mm-hmm. like it was more about that than just all one like-minded. I mean, it's going to be like-minded, but like-minded, all that, like, we're just going to outwork everybody. They all had kind of a, their own role, basically. Yeah. Well, and, and the more good guys and good athletes that you have in the room that were kind of pointed in the same direction – um, the tougher the room was. So the, the room was, was really, really tough. <clears throat> but you, you also had, um, I mean, for goodness sakes, there for a while in 80, 83, 84, when Gable was the Olympic coach, Jay pretty, took, pretty much took the team over um, there at, at Carver-Hawkeye. And I think, I think Coach Gable came back a little bit later in that year. It's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> But, but um, I think there was that kind of trust within that group of coaches also. Um, you know, so the, the things I try to take away is um, there's really a lot of individuality that, you know, it frustrates me when I hear like Iowa at that time or even now, oh, they're just a bunch of robots. I mean, gosh, there were such different personalities and guys that needed different stuff and people that would float in and out of that scenario that I, I'm just super blessed that I got to be able to watch what was going on and pay close attention to, you know, how, how, how can you motivate this guy who's really struggling and still motivate that guy that's going for four NCAA championships at the time and have it all wrapped up in this Hawkeye wrestling thing. It was, it was a, it was a pretty cool situation to watch. <clears throat> Go ahead, James. Uh, well, after after all that was over, what kind of led you down to Missouri, basically? Because I, I like you mentioned. The girl? <laughs> of course, yeah. You you mentioned the, the nonlinear path, which I always like those stories because yeah. uh, people – I think people always think that you go point A, B, C, but sometimes it's like point right. A, F, M, you know. So what, what – Yeah, so I, I hung around Iowa City a little – a uh, while after my eligibility ran out. Notice I didn't say after I graduated from college. Um, <clears throat> so I hung around there for a little while. And honestly, I just got up one day and was like, I got to get out of Iowa City. You're a, if you want to do anything in wrestling, you are a small fish in a, in, in a big pond there. Um, they're, they're graduating four or five All-Americans at least – Every year, you got guys coming there to train that are at the top of their game in wrestling. Um, I felt like if I was going to do something in wrestling, I I had to um, go get a fresh start, go get a good look. One of my buddies 
that actually wrestled <clears throat> at Iowa. Uh, his name is Mike Lainson. Mike was living out in Los Angeles at the time. Um, and I had worked construction all the way through um, college and high school because my uh, wrestling coach hooked, hooked me up with a guy, Mike Hodge, in Iowa City. Um, so I got a hold of my buddy in L.A. I'm like, hey, man, I just I need to come out there and do some work and um, just kind of get a break from Iowa City for a while. So I went out there <clears throat> flying on the back met another one of my buddies who had wrestled at it was Southwest Missouri State at the time, but at Missouri State. I met him in Kansas City. We went to a wedding, um, and at that wedding, I, I met my wife. I didn't know at that time she was going to be my wife, but um, within, a couple, within a couple of days, I, I had figured it out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you moved to Missouri, and then uh, how did you transition? So I, so I coached at Iowa City West for – three years, I think, out of college. Um, and then Archbishop O'Hara had an opening where my wife had gone to school. Um, <clears throat> and she let me know that the head coaching job was open there. So that that was kind of the transition why I, I moved down to coach at O'Hara. Um, and then um, I ended up working with my wife's family was in the construction industry at the time. They did, they did heavy construction, street paving, and that kind of stuff. So I ended up working with them and then, and then coaching and, um, the, the, my first year down here, it was, <clears throat> it was also different because just the officiating was so like, it, it just seemed so weird to me because if you're on a guy trying to, trying to turn him, um, and he, it, he wasn't moving at all, you'd get called for stalling or, I mean, it was just, it was insanity to me. So it took me a while to adapt to what was going on down here. And then it was even harder because um, at, at that time, and I think it, I, I, like all of us, the, the officiating is, as wrestling got better in the state, officiating got better in the state. But at the time, those early years, I used to have to tell kids, like, it's going to change even more. When you get to the state tournament, um, if you're on top of the guy for 10 seconds and you haven't turned him, you got to let him go. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause they're going to, they're going to ding you for stalling. Um, so, so those type of things were, were kind of uh, new to me. Um, I had uh, Brad Smith who coaches at Lisbon um, was the head um, freestyle coach for uh, USA wrestling in Iowa and I was on his uh, junior national uh, coaching staff for a year. And then when I came down here, I was looking around um, to see what was going on with freestyle and stuff. And that's, that's how I got in touch with Bob. Um, like I said, I think Hag was still in Colorado and Gary had just made his move uh, up North, but Mark Simpson was really involved at that time. Um, he was at William Christman and ended up at, at Odessa. Um, so Kind of found my way to those guys after after I landed at O'Hara. Yeah, what were what was the summer wrestling scene like at that time? Because I know I was talking to Coach Glasgow about it. Things were things were quite a bit different back then. A lot of guys were training closer to home. You know, um, I I remember that this didn't happen while while I was on the staff when Bob was there, but. Um, I remember our teams being pretty small, but I'm talking to Bob about it. I mean, our, our junior national teams a couple of times was like Bob and two or three dudes in a van driving up to Cedar Falls. 
Yeah. You know, um, that there wasn't as, um, there wasn't as much competition to meet, to make the teams early. Um, and there, to be really quite frank, there weren't very many coaches that, um, had their head wrapped around freestyle very well. You know, we had, uh, we had Bob and, uh, Gary, like I said, uh, Mark Simpson, and there were some. There were a few guys on the St. Louis side too, but not the depth of knowledge that you guys carry into this thing now at all. I'm, I'm gonna. I was talking to Coach Glasgow. We're gonna. We're gonna do a, a, a talk down the road where he talks about some of the old, uh, the old trips to Junior Nationals because he was talking to me about it yesterday. And for one, he said that the kids had to get themselves there one year. Oh yeah. And, it costs fifteen dollars for the entire trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, things you know, have changed. It used to be. It used to be everybody had the reversible Cliff Keen, right? Heavy nylon, red on one side, blue on the other side. And if your state had the money to screen print something on the leg, I mean, <laughs> that was awesome. You you were <laughs> that was high style back then. You know. And now I think uniform packages are. You know, Elam and, and uh, Jason and those guys. Brian Elam's the one that first started really coming out with some stuff from Missouri, and then Jason ended up with the contract. I don't know. You guys got Gucci backpacks and stuff now. <laughs> All right. The kids, there are kids that go to the trip, I think, only just to get the gear so oh. they can trade it outside. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so some of the – some of the schools that you've been connected with, uh, obviously O'Hara down here in Missouri, mm-hmm. but uh, you you worked with Raytown South too, correct? So yeah, I was there for thirteen years. So what a you know I coach a, I coach at Grandview, which is uh-huh. kind, of a, kind of a different you know atmosphere of wrestling as well. But what were uh, what were some of the things that you were proud you got done while you were at Raytown South? I know that. Raytown South Christmas tournament was was a huge deal. Yeah, actually, that was Ethan Houck started it, and then when Ethan moved to Lee Summit, we had a bunch of uh, families that had been involved and parents that had kids that wanted to keep uh, doing it. So I was lucky enough to have some of my friends that I had met through wrestling all over the nation. So I just started picking up the phone and calling and getting people there. Um, you know, as, as far as what I'm proudest of from those days at Raytown South, I mean, we, we had some really good teams and some top flight, uh, you know, ind- individuals, you know, guys like J- Jesse knows Mark Carey. I mean, Mark has been on the cusp of being an All-American at every level that he's been at. Um, just just a really tough, good, hardworking kid. Um, but, you know... I, I would say the things that I'm most proud of is seeing some of those guys now, you know, um, from the early nineties and up, uh, up through the early two thousands, you know, where they're at, some of them coaching, some of them with families, some of them in professional life. Um, that's, that's what I'm, I'm most proud of. Um, as far as accomplishments, it would be more the individual accomplishments, although, I think we had one year while I was there that we were outside of the top 10. I'd have to go back and look. Um, always scratching and clawing to, you know, get into that that fourth place. We just 
we didn't have the depth that some of the teams had. Um, but once you got to the state tournament time, that the individual talent could really show through mm-hmm. for us a lot. Um, there, there are times that I really, really miss those days and those kids because, you know, a lot of times, like you said, that, you know, kids don't know who like Coach Hag is or, or Coach Glasgow is. Um, I was getting kids out of the weight room that didn't know who Dan Gable was or who, you know, I, I, I was smoking mirrors, tricking them to come in. And part of it, a big part of it was um, Kelly had asked, Kelly Donahoe was there coaching at the same time. And he had asked if me and Dan Cahill, who was one of my assistant coaches, um, would help on the freshman football staff. So that helped us tremendously. And, um, just the Matt Rat Wrestling Club helped out a ton, especially once I had enough kids graduate from high school and come back and start running the the camp. So terminology, philosophy, all of that thing was the same. Um, you know, our goal was just to get them to me with a background. I don't care if they win four state titles as a kid. Um, if you can get them to me with a little background, we can fast track stuff when they get here. You know? Yeah. What was your approach to fast track stuff? I mean, because um, some people don't understand when you're not at a traditional wrestling school, you know, you're approaching it quite a bit different than maybe someone who's at a school where people have grown up wrestling youth forever. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just little things, but um, I, my goal was to find where somebody was really, really good and try to keep them out of positions where they weren't good. So, uh, Je- Jesse, Jesse doesn't remember this name, but you might. There's a guy named uh, Malcolm Crosdale. I know, Mal- I know Malcolm. Carpino uh, and Allie talk about him all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> got him out halfway through his junior year. Floated in and out of the practice room. Phenomenal athlete. Um, but he was really, really good at getting his hands locked behind you and getting you off the ground. Um, so I think his senior year – he lost a couple of times. He ended up winning a title, but every match, the other guy was on his back. So we never went down unless we absolutely had to go down. Um, we get to the state tournament, first round of the state tournament. He comes out and shoots this. I guess it was supposed to be a double leg. It really didn't look like it. Um, and it ended up ended up going down in the match. And um, anyway, came back and pinned the kid. Um, it comes off the mat, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, well, coach, I'm just trying to fake him out. And I'm like, we're not going to fake people out. Lock your hands and throw them, man. So, so just like that kind of scenario, um, it, especially when you're getting kids who haven't wrestled all the way through, you got to build the box really, really small and, and build in some rules that they, they all have. You know, um, one of the things was like – in the, in the down position and referees position, I mean, there's a thousand different things you can do, but ultimately the goal is to get your spine perpendicular, right? Mm-hmm. You want to get your spine straight up and down, stand up, you get your spine straight up and down, sit out, you get your spine straight up and down. Um, so ultimately that's your goal. Now there's some funk and junk that goes with that, but if you can build that idea into their head that what we're trying to do is, get our spine in a good position, then you can build off of that stuff. So a lot of those guys that I had at Ray South that didn't wrestle when they were younger, it was just a matter of 
building in good ideas position-wise and then see where they could go as far as the other technique that you could add there. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a little thing where it would be like, especially those young guys, those inexperienced guys, just check your elbows, check your elbows when you're on your feet. That, that meant they had to get their elbows down on their knees because, and even, even great kids still do it. Your hands start migrating up, your, 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 your butt starts coming in a little bit too close, your chest starts getting back. So, you know, we could holler from the sidelines to any kid, Mark Carey, who was multiple-time finalist and won 150 matches, which was a lot back then. Um, I could holler it at him or I could holler it at a first-year kid, and they, they both knew that they needed to get their elbows on their knees and, you know, be able to down block and have some defense along with whatever we – trickery we were going to use to take the other guy down <laughs> um <laughs> after you know i like like we talked about you you worked in construction you weren't in education uh-huh. for for a while but you were obviously in coaching so um what made you decide you wanted to transition into education um I, honestly um again i came i came to kansas city for a girl and that same girl was like if you want to get to the goals that you have you probably need to get closer you need to get into education um because i was ringing everything that i could get i i felt like i I would come home after the state tournament at raytown south and i I would take weeks going back over practice plans and looking at stuff where did i go wrong what didn't work how did this happen how did we lose that match what do i need to change that kind of stuff and one of the big things was being in the school more being in the school longer um so if i'm in the school more i might be able to get more kids out that you know it fills out your lineup a little bit more um so so that was the idea um that idea didn't work very well because i wasn't a head coach after that anymore um so i luckily enough i knew uh roblin at UCM and uh, Robin um, asked me to come and join his staff there. Um, actually, I asked him if he had a, a place on his staff because I knew we had a guy leaving or they UCM had a guy leaving. Um, and uh, that allowed me to get my master's in education. Um, and then I went from there and I, I, I stepped in for Coach Black at South for a year or so and then went and became an AD and then came back here. So, you know, the grand plan of doing this so that um, I could reach that next level of wrestling didn't really work out well. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it works in mysterious ways. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I want to give Jesse the opportunity to talk about this because uh, I, I heard this story before from him, but I know that while you're at UCM, uh, uh, obviously you guys were there at the same time, but Anyway, go ahead, Jesse. Let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, James wanted me to tell this, but it's probably a little, very little known story, but these are the big things that coaches do for you. But so that was my first year at UCM. And um, my, the, my freshman year, I'd gone to Merrimack, totally different situation, everything like that. Transferred to UCM and, um, you know, whatever. It's like midway through the season. And it's just getting to that point where, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, make or break time really for a lot of people. They got to decide if they're going to stay on the team or not. And so um, I had friends that had been on the team, but I had a lot of friends that I, that were like new to the team that year, like I was. 
And a lot of those dudes were just quitting left and right at that point. And then there was this one week, uh, some, some stuff had gone on. Uh, my weight got a little out of control while the guys were gone on a, on a <laughs> tournament. But, um, you know, I just had laid around all weekend and figured I'm not making weight for two weeks. And um, basically we had like a weight check when they came back and I was in trouble. And uh, so go through multiple practices that week for punishment type of thing. And a couple of my friends had quit during the time. And I was just really questioning whether it was like worth it to be there or not. And uh, I was just kind of running that through my own head. I hadn't talked to anybody about it and uh, got done with the practice. And uh, coach, coach was having to leave at the time because um, I think we had switched to mornings at that point. And so coach was having to leave to go to work and stuff. And um, so he had left the practice a couple minutes early to get out and go to work. And I just remember coming back into my locker and, uh, you know, in my head, I was like, I'm going to probably pack my stuff up and go home. You know, the semester hadn't started yet. I was just going to withdraw from classes and go home. But I go into, into my locker and there was like a note up in the top of it. And I picked it up and it was from Coach Hull basically said, hey, give me a call after this time today whenever he was going to get off of work. And, um, you know, right there I knew that he, without even communicating with me verbally, he knew what was going on. Uh, and so I called him later and, and we, had a, we had a talk. It wasn't super long or anything, but basically just, you know, pretty much kept me from, from quitting and going home. It's a long story short, but made me feel a lot better about things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a big, big lesson to me as an athlete, but a big lesson to me as a coach moving forward, too, about reading – you know, reading your athletes and, and knowing what's going on by their body language and not just what they're saying or how they're acting out. But yeah, it was definitely a big, big thing for me that he reached out and, uh, you know, cared really, first of all, and then had that talk with me, kept me, kept me from quitting and kept me around and ended up being a a really good thing for me. I just thought that was an interesting story because I mean, everyone knows Jesse's real all in on wrestling, you know, that's his whole thing. And uh, not that you wouldn't have been if you left there, but you know, you, you were having a moment of, uh, of weakness and boom. Yeah, for sure. Coach fixed, (laughs) coach fixed it. That's what coaches can do. You know, at that, at that time, first of all, it has to be said that, that Robin, when Robin, um, allowed me and welcomed me to come down there, I knew that my role was going to be different than it had ever been before because I'd always been the head coach and the alpha in the room. And I knew that in order for things to work out and for things to to be good, I was going to have to take a different role on that team. Well, one of the roles was um, I had a couple of other guys that I knew – right away could help us out. Bobby was Bobby Lowe was coming off of his senior year where he was an All-American at Minnesota. And then Kevin Stanley and I had been very, very close um, since he was in high school. And, and Kevin was um, moving on from the University of Missouri. So I went to Robin and said, I think we need both these guys in here. So once I got both of those guys and Robin, and we had we – had, you know, a, a unique batch of kids, to say the least. 
on the teams uh, or on that team, I found out pretty quick that that my role better be to kind of step back and watch and be the voice of reason and make all or try my very best to make all of um, you know the personalities that I brought into this thing work out pretty well. <clears throat> I was lucky enough that there were guys like uh, Jesse and you know there, there were a couple of other kids that we had talks with that cared enough to listen to what I had to say and, and, and stick around because, I mean, we were, we were talking about this uh, the other day here with, with a couple of the coaches that have, have played Division One football. Um, <clears throat> college athletics sometimes just isn't very fun. You, you got to keep that goal out there. You know, you got you gotta you gotta put the work first. You gotta value um, some of the things that aren't very fun because you you had a goal to be a college wrestler at a point and. You know, you got you to do that before you can be an All-American. Um, so just just being able to be that guy that could, um, you know, maybe offer a little bit on the technical side here and there, although Bobby and Kevin coming right out of college were a little bit more current than I was. Um, maybe act as a advocate for athletes. Um, maybe um, act as a friend for Coach Ursuline. Um you know, and and sometimes just see a kid struggling a little bit and go, gosh, I got to go, but I need to talk to this kid because we've all felt that way. I mean, if, if <clears throat> you've been in the sport very long, you felt that way. You 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 felt like uh, that that wasn't very much fun. I just took a world class butt kicking in practice, and my weight's not where it should be, and maybe I've lost a couple matches in a row or a match, and it's just not very fun. It, it happens to elite level guys, and I've seen it there. Um, then it happens to those kids that are that are just coming out for the sport. And if you can learn to smell that stuff out early, you know, <clears throat> I hope I'm not giving up too many secrets. But there there have been times when uh, I caught some guys coming into the wrestling room, going, "Hey, man, you're sick today," right. <laughs> and have them look at you and go, "What? Man, you're sick. Yeah, you need to go home." You know, because sometimes you gotta you gotta take off of those wheels and and let somebody bounce back but that's actually been a, too. that's actually been a common thread on a couple of these talks we've had is that i think people think you know i think maybe the 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 best coaches we've talked to uh we're, well we only really talk to good coaches we don't talk to the bad ones so but um high praise yeah the coaches we talked to um all have been able to recognize that different things work for different people. That's like the adjustment that most coaches make over the course of their coaching career. Like they understand, all right, different things work. This person might need a day off here. This person might need me to talk to them a little different, et cetera. So. Well, Jesse, for instance, by the end of a wrestling season, he, he pushed so hard in practice that his, his body would start wasting away. And without trying to cut weight, he would come in lighter and come in lighter and come in lighter. Um, so some sometimes you you have some guys where that hard work they can put it right back on, and sometimes guys kind of just their body naturally thins up because it feels like it needs to be more efficient. Um, one of Jesse's uh, teammates and, and the kid that wrestled for me, Mark Carey, he made his living by moving his feet, darting in and out, 
being where he needed to be. If you put too much on those legs, he was ineffective there, and he had to close the gap, and he had to get his hands on you and move you because his legs didn't work as well. So, you know, it's a delicate, um, it's a delicate balance, and and sometimes what. But I talked to the swim coach at Raytown South when I was there, and I've, I've, I, I like the idea, and I like some of the things that they do in terms of tapering. Um, as a wrestling coach, I, I really feel like sometimes you can miss it by a day or two mm-hmm. with a kid. Not with all kids, but if you don't read your team very well, if you don't read individuals very well, it you can miss them being at their peak by a day or two of you pushing too hard or not pushing hard enough. Um, and when you're in there, I mean, you don't have 14 kids you can put in the finals um, and you're in there scrapping with everybody else. You want to make sure you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Um, so that means you got to pay attention. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here for you soon, coach. Cause we've talked to you. We kept you for a long time, but you have a lot of memories, a lot of experiences, so we kind of put people on the spot with this one, but uh, this might take you a second to think about which one, but Jesse, give them our, our, our wrap-up, our final question. <laughs> yeah, do you just uh, – do you have, like, a unique story, a wrestling story that just sticks out to you? Could be, could be weird, funny, unique, or just a really good one from your time. Oh, geez. Um... <laughs> a million, but <clears> – <throat> Let's just say the times that I was with Kevin and Bobby and you guys at UCM, could, could, there, there, there's a, a ton of different ones. Um, I can tell you the, the heartbreaks for me. Uh, Mark, Mark Carey was a heartbreak for me. I mean, geez, the guy just – he was bubble match away from being an All-American as a cadet. Um, he was in two state finals and came up short. He was um, – Gosh, he was bubble match division twos at being an all American. He's bubble match division threes at being an all American. So that one wakes me up in a cold sweat sometimes. Um, where I'm like, ah, how could have I helped there? How could have that been different? Um, you know, and then and then on the other side of that are, is, is kids like uh, Malcolm Crosdale, who you get him and he listens and he stays within that little box you built him and he, and he has a lot of success and becomes a state champion. So some of it's just not fair. I don't think, you know, um, but, but those are the ones, I mean, really the losses, the losses probably stay with me a little bit more on individual kids I've coached. Um, and you guys are, you guys are seeing it now. You're, you're, career as an athlete doesn't even come close to making the impact on you as your career as a coach will because you're trying to help somebody achieve some things and um when they when they come up a little bit short or some weird stuff happens or um those are the ones that 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 really kind of get you and that stay with you and um motivate you a little bit more but yeah there's there's definitely been the night, uh, the night Plama beat that poor kid from uh, Nebraska, Kearney. Yeah. Um, that 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 was uh, that was a fun, you know, time to to be around and see some of the reactions and um, <laughs> not so much Plama, a guy who'd been in the Olympics beating some Division two kid, <laughs> but just you know what went around um, that other stuff that 
that that was pretty unique. Seeing, you know, and that's one for like Coach Ursuline, just seeing the emotion that that meant to him to to have a champ was pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, uh, being a part of, you know, I, I was never on those Iowa teams, and I knew that I was never going to get some of those guys and beat some of those guys. Um, but being around to look at those different personalities and see those different things that went on um, and being lucky enough to have somebody allow you to do that, that's, that's priceless, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered the question, but I ran no, away. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there is no right answer. That's, that's the good thing. Yeah. So, um, well, Coach, we really appreciate you talking to us. and. You stay safe with quarantine. Keep everybody updated on what's going on with the schools. And, uh, yeah, just thanks for sharing your experiences. All right. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Coach. All right.